It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Olivia Ekpenay. Here with Ashley Titians today. Yes. Very exciting to have you on here as well. So we're super excited. We have a lot to dive in. We had the Chicago Marathon go off this past weekend, which Ashley had a chance to be there live in person. So we're going to do a deep dive on that. Nutty Komen pre-nats are also this weekend. So we're going to touch on some of the big storylines there. And also there's a great meet at Texas A&M. And of course, you know, I want to talk about that going into the weekend. So many great things still in the distance side of things, cross country marathon running. But we also, before we get into our special guests of the day, we have to thank our sponsors, Wonderful Pistachios. And if you guys are looking for a delicious and nutritious snack that packs a real protein punch, Guys, get a crack into a good source of protein with tasty, healthy, wonderful pistachios. Each one ounce serving of wonderful pistachios contains six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of the daily value. It's one of the highest protein nuts out there, but that's not all. Pistachios are also known for their fiber and they're better for you unsaturated fats, which may help you keep feeling fuller longer. But actually, that's not the best part about it. Wonderful pistachio comes in a variety of flavors, sizes. We even opened up a bag. Oh, we did. They were yesterday. pretty good. What flavor did we have? It was the, the seasoned salt. Seasoned salt. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. Yes. It was so good. <laughs> Perfect for enjoying with your colleagues, your family, your friends. And of course, as we are getting into the school year. So make sure you grab a bag of wonderful pistachios to help you fuel up your day. And wonderful pistachios should be should be become now your go-to snack. So check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. So without further ado, like I mentioned, we have a very special guest. Yes, Ashley, who is our special guest yes, for today? Very excited for this today. We have joining us the Tokyo Olympics bronze medalist in the women's marathon, Molly Seidel. And you know, throughout her career, she's been, you know, just killing it on the track, on the road racing, in the marathons. She's a three-time NCAA champion from Notre Dame, and she's coming off a 223.07 personal best in Chicago. So we're really excited to have Molly Seidel joining us today. Hey, how are hey you? Guys. Hey, Molly. <laughs> hey, I'm good. It's good. Uh, glad to be on. Awesome. awesome. Well, you know, first off, you know, I know we had a chance to speak a little bit in Chicago. I got to see the race, you know, 223.07 PR, you know, mm-hmm. the second fastest American, you know, you 
place within the top 10. Just, you know, generally take me through what that race was like for you and, you know, how that executed. Yeah, it, going into Chicago, I feel like a lot of the focus was just on having not been able to race a marathon in the last two years, getting in just a really solid effort, like running healthy and coming away from the race feeling really good. And so to be able to get all those things and also come away with a PR, I think was just such a like, it was such a confidence boost for me and a really nice feeling like I've got some good momentum going into trials um, this February. How are you feeling? Like, to hear, like, you haven't competed in the marathon distance in two years, I would be, that's the longest race out there, you know what I mean? So it's like, mm -hmm. how are you feeling mentally just going into the Chicago Marathon, just knowing that it's been some time since you've competed at that distance? Mm -hmm. I think there were definitely a lot of nerves because I feel like the marathon specifically is a very, like, mental race. Like, you spend so much time in your head, and it is just a, it's not like a track 5K where you're going so hard the whole time that you don't really need to think. It's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, you know that you're going to hit that point in the race, that it gets really difficult, that you're going to have to really push through. And I think before the race, I kind of doubted. I'm like, man, like I haven't been in that headspace for such a long time. The training's been going well, but nothing can mimic getting to mile 23 of a marathon. <laughs> and I think it, I, I think it did take actually getting into the race again and just being like, oh my God, this is so much fun. So many people are out cheering. Like, yes, it's definitely hard and it's hard going out in my first race in two years, faster than I've ever gone out in a marathon. That was kind of the focus of like our goal is be like, okay, we just need to rip that bandaid off and to still have such a good time. Like it, 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 I think it was just that reminder of just like, yeah, like I'm, I'm pretty good at this and I really enjoy doing it. And it's just fun being back. That's awesome. You know, mm -hmm. also too, this was your first Chicago marathon, I believe. And like, as you mentioned, like it's a, you know, compared to another marathon course, like, you know, New York City, like Chicago's flat, it's fast. You know, mm -hmm. the weather was very optimal. You know, take me through what that experience on that course was like for you. Yeah, the course was amazing. Like I've done so many races in my career have been either on really difficult courses or in really difficult conditions and a lot of very tactical, like championship style races. So to do a paced flat fast marathon was that was honestly something I was pretty nervous about because it's so outside my normal wheelhouse and honestly it's the kind of thing I'm like man I really want to go back to Chicago this was really nice it's it's pretty cool when they can like control a lot of those variables and it really lets us kind of like see what our potential is at, as athletes just as like top speed it feels like a time trial almost mm -hmm. I know you briefly kind of mentioned this just thinking about mentally staying engaged for 26 miles as you talked about 5k you don't really think about but like now you know I'm thinking as I was telling you off air like I'm training for my well not training anymore it's officially here like my half marathon Sunday and I'm like how do I stay engaged just mentally what are some key cues that maybe you tell yourself as you're going through these longer distances just to help you keep going yeah I think a big thing for me especially as I get into the middle part of the marathon I find that for me miles like 14 through 18 are typically some of the hardest because it's that middle zone. You still have a really long way, like you still have around 10 miles to go, but you're getting tired and you feel that mental lag. I feel like a big part for me, one, I, a lot of kudos to my pacer, Rory Linklater, who's a friend of mine and a fellow Puma athlete, that he was in charge of pacing me. So I didn't need to think about splits at all, that he was just knocking them off just like that. Um, but then also being able to kind of cultivate this sense of like just focus and almost like um, uh, 
it sounds weird, but like a, a stillness in your head because there's so many people cheering and you need to really stay focused on what you need to do and not get the attention drawn away by everything that's going on around you. So I feel like I'll just kind of move through different things and be like, okay, how is my body moving? How is my breathing? When's the next bottle? Almost like um, it feels sometimes like I'm driving like a race car and I just need to keep all like the check engine lights just like, okay, like keep making sure that everything is good and that it doesn't let my mind drift too much. Mm, also that. caffeine. Caffeine helps. Caffeine's key. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, all yeah. runners, they live by caffeine. Um, yeah. yeah. I know afterwards you said, I think I – asked you like what your your plans were to go celebrate the marathon and you said you were going to go do karaoke <laughs> did you actually yes. go do karaoke yes, i need to know we need we, story. we did do karaoke we can send you guys some videos it was oh actually God. incredible we went to it's called brando's speakeasy so it actually was like right down there in the loop and when we got there it was dead there was literally <laughs> nobody there but there's a karaoke stage and we like convinced the guy at the bar we're like can we please just do karaoke tonight and there was a huge contingent of um Colombian marathoners just like regular marathoners who had raced that came in and then they started getting into it and oh, awesome. we had probably like 15 people in our group and it was like it was absolutely wild it was so much fun oh that's so fun that's so fun mm -hmm. you celebrated with a hot dog yeah, I did. I did. Ooh, but nice. I but I didn't run, so. Very true. Very true. <laughs> hey, honestly, you guys have the hard job. We just have to work two, like, two and a half hours. You guys have to do all the stuff on the back end. Oh, man. Well, either way. It's fun either way. Running or yeah. covering it, it's fun either way. Yeah. Um, you know, also, too, looking back, briefly want to touch on, you know, where you are at this point in your career. You know, obviously, um, you know, you were the Tokyo bronze medalist in the marathon, and now you're at this new point, I feel like, in your career, and you have a lot of this momentum, too, building up to the Olympic trials. So maybe mm -hmm. what do you think you learned most from the Chicago Marathon and how you hope to carry mm -hmm. that, you know, through, you know, from this point forward? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it does very much feel like this is kind of a new chapter in the marathoning, just having spent so much time over the last two years really making sure that my mental and physical health is in order. And things that I've, like... Those are things that I've struggled with my entire running career. And Chicago really felt like, even outside of like a good race result, it was such a positive experience because it was the first time in such a long time that I felt like I really entered it doing all the things right and doing the things right for my body, for my head, and finishing that race and being like, man, I am excited to go. I don't feel drained like I normally do after a marathon. I feel just really pumped up and feel like I can see all the things that I'm like excited to work on the weaknesses that I can identify that I'm like I need to do this 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 and this and so I think it's this very exciting time because I'm still relatively young in my marathoning career and feeling like man like it was like it's really cool to have gotten a bronze medal at the previous Olympics and be like man like I feel like I've got so much more potential than just that and like I, like I feel like I'm only just finally kind of getting into like yeah like I'm firing on all cylinders and there's things to work on there's always going to be but it's an exciting time mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. after you getting as the, the rest that you need I know you were saying like you weren't that sore <laughs> like yeah. I would have been absolutely sore just kind of looking ahead as we prepare for this upcoming Olympics are there certain milestones that you are striving for are there maybe any half marathons on the horizon that you're kind mm -hmm. of just like eyeballing what does I guess the next few months kind of look like for you 
Yeah, so we're going to try to get in a really solid half marathon probably sometime in December, maybe, especially with my teammate Jessa Hansen is also going to be running the trials with me. And so we really want to try to get her under 70 for the half. Um, and so something like that where it's fun to be able to like know that, okay, I've got to do this prep race, but it's fun like being able to take it outside of just me and be like, okay, this is a team thing now. Um, and then yeah, honestly, it really is going to be head down and focus on working on some of these weaknesses, getting in the longer tempos, getting in that strength work that I need to not like fall off the pace in the latter portion of the marathon because it like the marathon is only getting faster, only getting more competitive. And I think like to keep like to keep being competitive on the world stage, U.S. marathoning has got to up its game. And so yeah, it's just figuring out creative, fun ways to to do that and go into trials feeling feeling good, feeling happy, feeling ready. How are you preparing for that Orlando humidity and stuff like that for <laughs> Olympic trials? I feel like that's okay. That, this like, is gonna be wow. This is gonna be such an unpopular opinion, uh, but like I don't know why everyone's complaining about it. like that's the thing. It's like. Paris is going to be hot. Like, yeah. w- like we should expect Orlando to be hot. I do enjoy running in the heat. So we even in this build, like with the potential that um, uh, that Chicago was going to be very hot. Obviously, we saw it in Twin Cities the week before getting yeah. canceled. But we were doing like honestly, I just wear a lot of layers. Like that, it really is not that simple. I'll sauna every <laughs> once in a while, but like legitimately, yeah. just layers and layers and layers of cotton. Like that's just what I did before Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Like it's really not complicated, guys. Like <laughs> that's what, when I see everyone freaking out. Like it could be the hottest Olympic trials ever. It's like they said the same thing about Atlanta too. Like it yeah, also could true. frost in Orlando yeah. too. And if it's hot, we deal with it. Like yeah. I'll just. We'll go down to Phoenix every once in a while. I'll wear three cotton t-shirts, whatever. We'll <laughs> we'll attack it. I feel like the Kenyans and the Ethiopians don't complain about this kind of stuff. And it's like, <laughs> we are prima donnas here in the U.S. <laughs> so I guess that's the key lives, wear yes. multiple cotton t-shirts to train for. That that was actually a Dina Castor tip that I oh, got right. early okay, on. Because nice. she trained for Athens just wearing yeah. a lot of cotton. And so I did that before Tokyo of just like, okay, long runs, even if it's warm out, just wear cotton. I mean, she <laughs> might have Dina, to do that. I was going to say, if Dina Castor is telling you to do that, then that's got to be something, yeah. right? Right? <laughs> yeah, it's the original performance fabric. <laughs> <laughs> I just love your mindset because, like I mentioned, we're in Austin and like the humidity and the heat that we've had over the last several months, and we're out there running at 6, 6 30 in the morning. I'm like, goodness gracious, it's just blazing hot out here so yeah i mean you guys you guys have next level down in texas but we'll (laughs) yeah we'll actually do like we come up in the summer because wisconsin obviously different level but we'll it'll get very hot and humid up here and so we did our like quote unquote prep camp before tokyo here in wisconsin which was me just like trying to like warrant getting to come home for the fourth of july before the like olympics and yeah it was (laughs) gnarly but it prepared me well for tokyo there you go that's right awesome well molly thank you so much for joining us today so grateful to have you on here on the flow track podcast and we're wishing you all the best as you prepare for the olympics and also with uh trials coming up for you very soon thanks so much you guys thank you what a great opportunity to chat with molly i thought that was really great. great and also you the fact you had the opportunity to you know, have that one-on-one time with her as well during the yeah, press conference Yeah, it was so great stuff. to, you know, just chat with her before and after the race, too. You know, I think uh, <laughs> I remember we were talking, like, before, and 
after like when I talked with her, she's like, oh, you're, we have the curl, we're the curly hair twins, so we have a little connection there. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, outside of Molly's fantastic performance, you witnessed a world record once again. And like, oh I was God. telling you, mm -hmm. I want to know what the world record is for the most person watching world records, because you've seen it all. <laughs> I've seen three world records in, in like, a month. Like less it's than a month, wild. like three weeks, because we saw two at Prefontaine, you and I, and then I got to go to Chicago and saw one there. I don't know, but I guess we got to keep it rolling. We got to keep it rolling. So you yeah. just need Ashley at your meets if you want to yes. break world records. But yes. Kelvin Kipton breaks the world record in the marathon two zero zero thirty five. Just absolutely fantastic. And I know you were there, so yeah. Can you walk me through? What that was like, just watching him going mile after mile, and you were texting me too, like, oh, "Live, we're about to see a world record go down." Yeah, like, I what was, was like, that whole experience I was like, like, freaking out internally, you know. And I'm texting <laughs> you like, "Oh my gosh, like this is insane," you know. Going to this race, I feel like all eyes are really on two things, right? Kelvin Kiptum, obviously, and the weather. Yeah. And you know, there's a few reasons for this, right? You know, you're looking at Kelvin Kiptum; he was the top entrant going into Chicago, you know, his prior two marathons in Valencia and London, he went under 202 both those times, like two of the top times ever run. So, you know, with that kind of performances behind you, like there was definitely like that commotion, like could we see a world record? Like it was definitely something that was being brought up and it was in the cards, especially, you know, going into Chicago, which is, it's a, you know, a flat course. It can be fast when the weather is good. Um, so, you know, really that question was, okay, we have, you know, a top tier athlete who we think could probably challenge this record. But just like the other question too is, will the weather be favorable for a time like this? Mm -hmm. um, and thankfully, you know, the, the forecast like, you know, going in, it was, you know, mid to high 40s at the start time. And um, thankfully the Windy City wasn't like super windy <laughs> that day. You know, it, it was about, um, I think gusts were maybe up to like 14 miles an hour, but That's like ridiculous. totally it was like eight miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so just perfect racing conditions. And then, you know, once the race unfolds, you know, on Sunday, um, you, know, you know, you look at just how it unfolded, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just, I'm, I'm still kind of like speechless over it, you know, <laughs> like just because like how he ran that race was pretty remarkable to me. You know, he went out, really hard early on with those pace setters. He ends up dropping more than half of his pace setters at the first water station, I believe. And then, you know, at halfway, there's, you know, no pacers in sight. It's just him against the clock. And I think when I really knew that he was going to break that world record was when I think it was mile 22, he split 418 That's on his ridiculous. mile. And I'm like, this guy's rolling. Like, there's no one there. Like, he is getting this record. Like, there's no doubt. And it happened. And I think myself and everyone in the media room I think we were all just like gasping like our jaws dropped we're like because we haven't seen anything like this from anyone really besides Kipchoge you yeah. know and it's been we haven't seen anyone go under that 201 barrier and so now it's like really putting into perspective like we could see someone on a legit course you know legal pacing and whatnot legal conditions standard conditions yeah go under two hours like it's insane I'm happy you brought that up because I was thinking about that when I saw his official time yep. again like the weather just happened to really be on point yep. great conditions i think we can see that happen as crazy as that may yeah. seem mm -hmm. like perfect conditions everything goes right yep. i think we can see sub two you get a good course maybe i mean i know afterwards he talked a little bit about the olympics but maybe he decides to just shoot for berlin instead and go after 
you know, that's a place where, you know, Kipchoge previously had the world record of 201.09 from Berlin. Maybe he goes after that there. Who knows? And I think what's also mind-blowing is his mindset going into this race. Like, there was no world record talk whatsoever. His goal was to break the Chicago course record record by Dennis Kimeto, which was 203.45, which was set nearly a decade ago. Like, he obliterated that. Yeah, because specifically I was sitting there at the press conferences, and I think someone maybe asked, like, is the world record in play? And he's like, I'm going after the course record. Like, that's all he said. He was, yeah. he was going after the course record. And then even afterwards, too, he was like, the world record was not on my mind. I mean, maybe it was on his mind, but he just didn't say it. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, that course record was on his mind, and he gets it. And I think the other thing, too, is, like, I believe that, again, I think the overall theme is, like, mind-blowing here. But another mind-blowing fact to me is that in his post-race press conference, it didn't look like someone who just broke the world record. And then... I believe it was Jonathan Galt from Let's Run asked him if he's ever felt pain in a marathon. And his <laughs> response was, I haven't. I haven't felt pain in a marathon. I, what? I just, I have a hard time. No lactic that. acid buildup. None of that. I've ran a marathon that was painful. So, I mean, I'm not obviously not the same kind of athlete, but. <laughs> no pain, though. That no pain. No just pain. Just a steel human being then. And even just diving into it a little bit more, like, he shaved 34 seconds off Kipchoge's marathon world record. He's only 23, which is something remarkable. And this was his third marathon. I'm like, still very young in the marathon wheelhouse of things, putting out a world record. I, I was even speechless. I, I'm still speechless now. Yeah, still crazy. I, it was really cool to see, you know, in person. Yeah. Um, and overall, just it was a very electric environment, especially, you know, seeing a world record there. I bet it was. Mm-hmm. Um, along with Kimpton's world record, Safan Hassan runs the number two all-time, 213.44. What were your thoughts on just her – let's pause. Her <laughs> whole entire season, absolutely remarkable. Yeah. Tripling at Worlds. Yep. Six weeks later, mm-hmm. comes and runs a full marathon, number two all time. What? How does like? How does Hassan do it? How? I, I, I don't know. That's <laughs> a great how because gosh, like so. I want to take it back first to the London Marathon earlier this year. That was where Safan Hassan made her, you know, debut at the marathon distance. Yeah crazy race for her she like has to stop at one point to walk but she still ends up winning the race in her debut marathon like i remember when that happened and everyone was like holy crap what did we just witness like how did that happen and then you know now you're you flash forward to the summer in budapest she triples at worlds she's still doing marathon training while she's in budapest so while you know she's focusing on racing she's also focusing on hey in like you know six weeks i got to do this marathon again and then she goes into the Chicago Marathon against, you know, a pretty stacked field with Very the defending stacked. champion. Yeah. Um, and she comes with the, the win. And if not for that Berlin race a few weeks ago, it would have been the fastest marathon of all time. But, it, I mean, 213.44, second fastest ever. Did you expect this? Tur- like, you know, this I, outcome? I Just think, knowing that you had the yeah. two-time defending champion, Ruth, in this race, Ruth was also winning the mm-hmm. first half. Did you think Hassan was going to be able to respond and put herself out there you know I had a feeling that like I feel like Hassan in a way she's like she's such a gamer you know that like she's gonna try her very best to go out there and she can compete with anyone in the world obviously she's one of the best in the world 
Um, I don't know if I expected that time, but I definitely thought she was in contention for that win, for sure. Just insane. Yeah. Do you think she has a... <laughs> just knowing her range, which is really scary to think about, yeah. is there one event that she's just like... That is, that is her sweet spot. I don't know. I know afterwards, because, you know, the question obviously comes up, like, okay, you can, you know, run on the track, but then you can also, you're, like, the second fastest all-time in the marathon. What's she going to do at the Olympics next year? You know? Yes. Like, is she going to, like, just what oh, is she going to do? Like, what's her thought process? I know someone asked her afterwards <sighs> um, her mindset, and she was... She was like, I don't know. She's like, I'm going to see how I can recover. I'm in pain right now, so we'll see. <laughs> I think that's the best part, actually, about the thing I like about Hassan is she's actually very relatable, right? Like, yes. The first thing she said after the, the race, they're like, you know, take us through it. And she's like, oh, man, that last 5K, I was in so much pain. Like, I <laughs> was debating mid-race, like, if I ever want to do one again. And she runs the second fastest time ever. Like, I love that relatability because, like, yeah, everyone's feeling that kind of pain. Elite athletes are like everyone else. It's remarkable. And to even dive into it a little bit more, like mm -hmm. after the halfway point, like Ruth was winning at 105.42, Hassan was six seconds back. And what's even crazier is that was 33 seconds slower than her half marathon personal best. So she yeah. was moving. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. she I mean, said, they went through that. Fast. Like, the, the pacemakers, like, they set a quick pace knowing, you know, the weather was favorable. It's Chicago. It's fast, like they were going after it. And then eventually Hassan just continued to just keep pressing after t between 25 and 30 kilometers, built a 10 second lead on Ruth. And even though the world record was somewhat out of reach, like she was able to break the 2019 course record of 214.04. And for those of you who don't know, that was formerly the world record. Yes. And so yeah. the fact that she even dipped underneath that is just super remarkable to think about. Yeah, I mean, Again, it was a crazy fast day. Both sides of the Chicago Marathon. Insane. I did not expect, I don't know what I was expecting when I was going. I was like, I don't know what we're going to witness here, but it was like a, you know, check it off the bucket list, see a <laughs> marathon world record. So that was pretty cool. Ashley has been a part of a lot of world records. Yes, so if you need, yes. if you're going for a world record attempt, please reach out to I was her gonna say, uh, and she can be there. Send me a note and maybe I'll be there. <laughs> so that seems to be the trend. Be there in person. <laughs> and then last, kind of piece to uh, marathon talk right now. We had two American men qualify for the 2024 para Paris Olympics and... Well, they hit the standard, They hit right? the standard, yes, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. So, of course, when it comes to, you know, running, there's certain standards that they have to hit and then, again, you go to trials, compete, mm -hmm. and get those top spots. But let's talk about them because yeah. you had an opportunity to chat with them as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's a, that's a big day for... The American men, you have training partners Connor Mance and Clayton Young. They come into this race, and they both dip under that 208.10 Olympic standard. Young, you know, clocks 208 flat, and then Connor Mance is just under 208 in that 207 range. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's definitely, like, a huge moment for the U.S., right? Because kind of the question was, like, when are we going to see someone hit that standard? So we yeah. know that we could have potentially, you know, at least some people lining up in Paris. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, you still have the trials and if other people get that standard to, you know, say at the trials ahead of them, like that could, you know, you know, shape up like who's going to actually represent the U.S. in Paris. But right. like this is just a, a, you know, a really important moment, obviously, for U.S. marathoning. And again, I think it's a cool story because they're both training partners. I believe they said since 2017, I think they both went to BYU, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, they're out there in Provo, Utah. And so, I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, one thing I do want to mention too that I thought was an interesting note is like, while the, both 
while both Connor and Clayton like acknowledge that like this was such a big day for the American men, they both also acknowledge that like okay, but also we just saw like a two flat world record and they want to be able to you know, they hope it motivates marathoners to be able to, you know, maybe work up to being able to compete more at that level on an international scale, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I think yeah. that's wonderful. And they're the first two American men to do so, which I think is great. So again, we might have some Americans do that. I know a couple of years ago, we were kind of uh, reflecting on something similar to this back at this moment too, when it came to the throws for the Americans. And now we're starting to see this wave of great talented throwers and i'm hoping that we can do the same too when it comes to marathon and uh, marathon running and it's gonna be great yeah i'm excited to yeah. to see all of this so that kind of sums it up for the chicago marathon talk but of course ashley we have a couple of big meets that are occurring this weekend number one is nutty comb this goodness gracious let's start there nutty comb <laughs> is just incredible. It has been a place where a lot of talented individuals and teams kind of take those steps now as we start. It's crazy to think we're about a month away from NCAAs. That is wild. We're like four weeks away. Where the time go? Where has it gone? And so now we're about to start seeing these athletes really start to take form, getting into these championship part of the season and I think we have a lot of big names too here. Let's start with the men's side. I know we have NAU will be there, BYU, Wisconsin's also going to be in attendance, North Carolina, Syracuse, Villanova. Just what are our thoughts on the the men's lineup as well? I think my biggest question is like, you know, we saw NAU at the UVA UVA Invitational, they, they were pretty dominant, you know, yeah. like it was they were very solidly like that they're the winner there. Like and they they're going to be competing against a lot of those same teams now at Nuttycomb. You know, how's is it going to be a, a repeat of what happened at UVA? Yeah. I, I was looking at the entries. Nico Young will be making his debut. Um, so we will have, because he didn't compete at UVA, so we will have Nico Young in the lineup. So That's exciting. Now with, now with NAU, they're likely their full top seven. Like, what? maybe just like, I feel like they'll probably win, but maybe just how much. And I think another storyline here, too, is like, if you look at Nettie Comb in 2022, they finished third in this race, which is one of the biggest surprises, I think, of the whole entire, like, regular season last year. Um, they finished second to Stanford and BYU. And so maybe, you know, I'm sure that's got to be something in the back of their mind, too. It's like, hey, we don't want to get, you know, caught sleeping here at Nettie Comb. Like, that's, you know, we can't get third. Let's get, let's come out with the win. Yeah, especially mm -hmm. with Nico now being a part of the squad. It, it really is going to give us a bigger picture of, like, where NAU is actually at. Mm -hmm. And I know, like, we, we're getting glimpses of them. We're like, yeah, they're, they're pretty dominant right now. But we're about to see them take it to a whole nother level yes. if everything yes. is what I think is about to play out in my head. Now, the women's side. I think this is another big storyline. NC State, we're such huge fans of them. NAU is also going to be there, like we mentioned, Notre Dame and Stanford. I think the big question is, are we going to see the wonderful... Well, according to the entries online, Caitlin Tui is listed on NC or NC State's roster. So. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's a step. All right. It's it's all time right. now. It's time. So, what do you think is going to happen then? Oh, I don't. I <laughs> NC State is going to be dominant, and they and the thing is, like, they've looked very strong 
up until this point, like they, yeah. they grabbed the win at the Joe Pian Invitational and they were led by Kelsey Schimmel, uh, Grace Hartman, and of course we know freshman Leah Stevens, they all placed in the top 10. They have a solid squad right now, and especially with this incoming, the, the freshman class that's there right now, we know a lot of big names that are a part of that, that I feel like, you know, as they, they have the depth is, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. And I NC mean, State has the even depth. Even at Joe Pian, like they were missing some of their usual like top seven. And yes. the fact that they still had people step up and they still come away with that win there, I think was pretty big. And so I believe, you know, looking back at the entries, like they're going to have a, basically their full like normal like top seven squad there Yeah. Um, and for the most part. And so I think that's going to be key for them to see how they, you know, how they line up again against some of these really, you know, top competitors. You know, on the topic, I guess, of Caitlin Tui as well. You know, she won this race last year. She ran 1944 for 6K there. And so she's going to look to race very well again <laughs> and win again. So I'm excited. I feel like a lot of us have been waiting for mm -hmm. this moment. Not necessarily, well, Nutty Comb, yes, but also to see where Caitlin Tui's at. You, you I know, know me personally, wants to know. we're all like, yeah. is Caitlin Tui entered? Is Caitlin mm -hmm. Tui entered? And now that she's here, we're going to be able to see something really spectacular there, which is going to be great. Another big meet is pre-nats, and hence the name of the meet, pre-nationals. So <laughs> it's going to be in Virginia um, on that course as well. So they're going to get a glimpse of just kind of like how the course feels, get used to that temperature difference. Um, let's start with the... Do you want to start on the ladies' side? Yeah, let's start with the ladies. BYU. Yes, we'll have BYU name. there. And, you know, again, looking at some of these big names, you're going to have the Arkansas women. You'll have Oregon there, Cal Poly. So, you know, still a lot of big names. You know, looking at some of the teams that competed at UVA Invitational, they, they're going to be going to Nuttycomb for the most part. So you're going to see a, a little bit of a different field here compared to what we've already seen in Charlottesville this season. So, you know, they're just going out here to try to preview this course and see, you know, what can we do on this course come NCAAs, you know, if we get to that point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially on the women's side, I th I'm really curious about a few teams. I'm really curious about Arkansas because yes. I was really impressed with how they ran at Chili Pepper yes. a couple weeks ago. They were led by freshman Peyton Noe. She she won in like 16.08 or something for 5K, which was crazy, and they, they posted a nearly a perfect score there. Um, so I'm curious to see how they do now that they're going to be stacked against some of these teams that they'll face likely, you know, regionals, NCAAs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I also think another big thing is how will the Oregon women do because this is their yes. first time they've opened up at the you know their home their home opener and so now they're going to travel to UVA and see what happens there. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you on Arkansas. Just Arkansas just has the history of just like creating amazing individuals and getting those team titles as well, and especially yeah. with as you mentioned Peyton Noe, freshman, just kind of having a great performance there at Chili Pepper, but the Oregon men and the Oregon women have always had my attention. Like, I'm yeah, just very curious about how they're going to perform here at Because Because they both, you know, especially the Oregon men, like, they they took second as a team at their home meet. Yeah. A lot of their top guys, you know, they were running unattached, so maybe they're redshirting red them as well. Like, I mean, who comes to mind is Simeon Birnbaum. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be curious to see, you know, what this – top seven's going to look like and then you know really how they're going to stack up because at home they lost to Cal Poly in that home opener in September and they're going to face them here again. Cal Poly is proving you know a very strong team on both the men's and women's side so I'm really curious to see you know how maybe like what they learned when they got second in their home opener. Yeah. To now you're going to put it together and see how to run 
you know, like a, you know, and compete like a team on, you know, the course you're going to be running in and see the plays if you make it. Absolutely. So lots of great teams competing at all these meets so far at uh, Nuttycomb pre-Nats. And let's move and shift to Texas A&M because I will actually be there on the ground. They're going to be hosting the Arturo Barrios Invitational on Friday. And I'm looking forward to it because we're going to see OK State. We're going to see UConn kind of getting this big, um, big East, big, big Ten preview here a little bit, which is going to be super amazing. So OK State, how do we feel about them right now? Well, we'll have to see who they run, right? Like you would assume, you know, coming with a full squad. The men, very curious, very, very curious because they're probably one of those teams that can go out there and compete with NAU for that national title, obviously. And so we've already seen, you know, they got a lot, you know, of new guys coming in. You have Dennis Kippengedich, who's already been a stud for OK State early on. Yeah. He's going to be a key factor in this. We haven't also seen, we haven't seen Alex Mayer yet make his season debut, who's, you know, historically been one of their top guys. And so if you have everyone there, I want to see how they're running. Like, are they running? Or how are they working together? You know, because yeah. a lot of times in cross country, um, if you have that kind of depth and like ability to maybe pack up, maybe you do something like that. Like, I'm just, I'm really, I'm looking forward to seeing them at full strength. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. And then we have UConn that's going to be in the mix as well. We have a lot of great teams, um, a lot of them southern schools here as well that are looking to do some extraordinary things. Oklahoma is going to be in the mix too. Again, it's just a great, a great opportunity for these individuals and teams to really showcase some of their talents in College Station. So yeah, I was going to say. I mean, they it's a, it's a different environment, right? Like you're not right. going to Nuttycomb, you're not going to Prenats, right? But you, you're still getting that competition to like you know because when it all boils down to it, it doesn't really matter what course you're on I feel like in cross country just as long as you can compete against some of those top teams and get that experience like that's definitely like a big stepping stone because like you mentioned we are like a month out from NCAAs which I still crazy can't believe to think about yeah it's kind of weird a month like I feel like we just started cross country and I don't know if it's also because worlds was like in the summer yeah. so like worlds was happening and then prefontaine was happening and then marathon is happening so it's like there hasn't been a moment where it's just been like cross country like yeah. we have been but like all these athletes now you know going into this weekend are about to start you know showcasing some of their top runners so it's like we've been holding on a little bit and then like yeah. that is just yeah. ncaa <laughs> which is crazy yeah i feel like it's just i feel like every day with you know the running news cycle it's like one minute i'm thinking about a marathon the next minute i'm like let me look at these cross-country results from who knows where yeah and then it's like oh last week i was talking about outdoor track and field like i just said (laughs) it's like kind of crazy and then it's about to be it's crazy to think we're mid-october right now but like it's about to be november december and then all of a sudden indoor is going to hit you up the side of the head maybe we're getting a little too (laughs) ahead of ourselves there and talking about indoor but I, I, I do think this weekend, obviously, is going to be pivotal Yeah. in seeing, like, as a check-in of, like, how likely, you know, NCAA regional meets are going to play out, how, obviously, NCAAs could play out. Like, I think this is going to be, obviously, a pivotal moment, Nutty Comb, pre-Nuts. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a crazy weekend. So, make sure you stay tuned to Flow Track. We'll be keeping you guys updated on the content, and, of course, I will be on the ground, so... Stay tuned to the social media to see what's going on at Texas A&M. We're going to be bringing a little squad 
Yeah. Which is going to be awesome. Y'all have fun. We're going to have a blast. And this weekend, you're going to be watching some football. Yes. With your dad. Yes, I will. I'll be watching a football game at Notre Dame. Woo! So we'll see how that goes. Fun weekend. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, listeners, for always staying tuned, checking in. We we love having you on here. Thank you, wonderful pistachios yes. for the pistachios. Amanda, thank you for producing. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you again soon.